0: Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. To Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And we are right now recording this episode of Star Talk from the Mashable World Headquarters right here in New York City. And in this latest installment of our new sort of sub series of Star Talk called Let's Make America Smart Again, we have my co host today, Chuck Nice. Hey. All right, dude. All right, buddy. You, you, you also host a spinoff of Star Talk which I'm still getting into, uh, called Playing with Science. Playing with Science, right? Does, does they, your mama know you're playing with science? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing down there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is happening down there? <laughs> Mom, I'm playing with science!
1: Um, yeah, no, it's a sports uh, science mashup show where we uh, interview uh, Because we've, we've had sports guests All the time. On,
0: on flagship Start Talk That's and right. had whole followings unto themselves. That's right.
1: So, so we took that and spun it off, and now does we'll that be- mean you're not giving me any sports athletes anymore? No, no. It just means that uh, it means that uh, when we have athletes, you'll come on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's good. It's good to know that yeah. Start <laughs> So we're so doing that,
1: and we also have so science Star- and sports. Science yeah. and sports, yeah. and then for everything, we also have StartTalkAllAccess.com, where we have exclusive original content like something that. Uh, uh you and I did, um, which, by the way, I'm going to put a clip you of that. You filmed that? that? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. That was good, right? That was good. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, and by the way, it, it, the thing we did, it's called, um, Have You Touched My Media Right? <laughs> you don't remember that? We were I in your no, office? All right. All right. Okay, I'm going to send you the clip of this. Denying it ever happened. I deny the allegation. (laughs) and I deny the alligator. I'm going to send you the clip, but you got to put it on Twitter if I send it to you. (laughs) It's me. It's we're in your office. We're having a conversation, and so uh, uh, this is so funny. In the middle of the conversation, you go, "Wait a minute. Have you touched my meteorite?" I said that. Yes, and I went, "No," (laughs) and then you're like, "Would you like to?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" I thought you never (laughs) asked. That's true. I do stash <laughs> a couple of meteorites a month. It own. was actually it was very cool, it but uh, not everybody.
0: For that. <laughs> I know everybody ought to or should. Yeah. Uh, so for this edition of Let's Make America Smart Again, we're going to talk about the future of NASA. Yeah. And so we've brought in an expert on. You know, I mouth off about NASA, but there are very few experts on this. And we've got one with us, Ellen Stofan.
1: Yeah. Ellen. Hey. hey.
2: Nice house. to be here.
0: And you're the former chief scientist at NASA. That's correct. That sounds like a badass that business really card, to the
1: God. Yeah, I'm chief. By the way, I would just <laughs> walk around all the time, to just, you know, uh, hi. Uh, yes, um, uh, double latte, uh, chief scientist at NASA. Oh, Thank when, when they answer your name? <laughs> yeah, that's that's, right on the side. Right, when okay. they say, <laughs> what, 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 and, and who is this for? Uh, chief scientist at <laughs> yeah. NASA.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> so your, your background is as a planetary geologist. That's correct. Very cool. And so thanks for helping us out. Oh, happy to, to be here. To this. And so um, we, we, this is a Cosmic Queries version of Let's Make America Smart Again. Absolutely. And so we're going to just take questions. They've been pre-solicited from our fan base and social media typically. That's okay. correct. And these are questions about NASA and where it's coming, where it's going. And, and just to be clear, uh, you're no longer... The chief scientist. You've left that post.
2: That's right. I stepped down in December at the end of the administration, and so now the, I'm trying to figure out what to do next.
0: The man whose name goes unmentioned. Right. The administration. The administration. <laughs> okay. what, yeah. uh, uh, what was your academic post before NASA?
2: Uh, before that, I worked for a small group of people uh, at a company called Proxmi Research, and mm-hmm. I did research on Venus. I'm a member of the Cassini Radar Team. You did
0: research on Earth about Venus.
2: Oh, correct. Um, <laughs> it's a little hot on Venus. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, so right. I study volcanoes well, on winter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I went to. I went to on Venus. Yes.
2: I study volcanoes on Venus, Mars, Earth, and one of the moons of Saturn called Titan.
0: Nice. So you're a volcanologist? That is
2: correct.
1: Volcanologist? Are you out
0: of your Vulcan mind. I was going to say, that, that, yes. That, that's that line <laughs> <I'm> from
1: <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek. You're out of your Vulcan mind? <laughs> Damn it, man. <laughs>
2: It's almost as good as chief scientist, but not quite.
0: (laughs) Uh, So uh, just to to let the audience know, there's certain positions at NASA that are appointed and that they rotate so that you're not a career civil servant in that post.
2: That's right. The chief technologist and the chief scientist usually come in for two to three years, advise the NASA administrator on policy across the agency. NASA administrator is the highest ranking person. Mm -hmm. The administrator is appointed by the president. uh, And and doesn't
1: sound nearly as cool as chief scientist. That's for sure. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's (laughs) just like, what do you do? I'm the administrator of NASA, and you, I'm the chief scientist. Done with you. Let's talk to you. (laughs) That's right.
2: Except Charlie Bolden is the coolest person Around so okay. he, he could get away we, with that. We've title. had him on Star yeah. Trek, it was
1: great. Yeah. great. To,
0: to, this, he deployed the Hubble telescope, so we got,
2: that's right. That's you know, right. A,
0: if if you've been in space, you've got stories. Yes, I think that's pretty cool. Um, so, so uh, presumably, you've thought about the past, present, and future of NASA. Um, would you say NASA is on track in all the ways NASA wants to be on track?
2: Um, NASA's on track. Well, let me say that another way. Okay.
0: We all have ideas of what what NASA should be doing. Is NASA doing it?
2: I think so. Um, But there's always a caveat there because, because NASA's part of the executive branch, it gets its direction from the president, but then Congress ultimately decides on NASA's budget. And so there's always this tension between what does the president want, what does Congress want, and does that bear any resemblance towards what's really important to NASA, which is moving humans out beyond Earth, exploring this planet, exploring the solar system, the sun, the universe, and not to mention one other small thing, this planet, which is the most important planet to all of us. Mm -hmm. So how are those resources being spent? How are they divided up? Um, And that's the tension.
0: Sometimes it's good tension, but it sounds like generally it's not
2: <laughs> well no i think it is it is in general a good tension because obviously if you look back over the history of nasa at the time of apollo nasa was about 4% of the federal budget right now nasa's about 0.4% of the federal budget and so that means you have to you have to make choices we, nasa still wants to invest in aeronautics it's
0: the commitment of the country that's amazing from yeah. from back then
2: right you know and f- so to someone like me i would say let's go wild and make nasa 0.6% of the federal budget you know, that would be a huge amount of money a 50% increase yeah. yeah a huge amount of money for nasa but really not that still that much of the federal budget and to me, NASA's doing a lot of amazing things, and those things actually benefit us every day. From... I say, let's just
0: go to a penny while we're at it. We're gonna raise it from
1: 0.4. Right, uh, just go to 1%, right? Yeah, just, just go to 1%. take it up to a penny, yeah, yeah. and we're good. Yeah, we're good to go.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. We'd have humans on Mars uh, very quickly if that were the case.
0: And you'd be doing the backstroke on Titans,
2: that's right. that's right. That's <laughs> right.
1: Nice. Nice. I like every we'd part of be, that except the smell.
0: We'd be
2: <laughs> finding life around the solar system. We'd be exploring planets around other stars. We'd be making huge advances. And, and again, for people who say, oh, that's a waste of money, right. those, when you push for technology, you benefit our economy. You have spin offs that affect our lives in amazing ways.
0: So let me ask oh, just wait, just unclear, since we have so uh, I think methane is
1: odorless. You know you're right. They add that odor to, to it yeah. so that yeah. you can smell it. Yeah. yeah so you, the reason why you thought it smelled is because because I dealt it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, why. That's why. I thought I smelled it. <laughs> you're you're uh, uh, contributing to global warming. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you smelled
0: it, dealt it. Uh, so I think it's. It's um, hydrogen sulfide it has that rotten egg smell exactly mixed in with the methane. Right, but I wouldn't expect nothing less from you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't presume, but if I think, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not let you get by with saying that you don't want to go doing a backstroke on the methane lakes of Titan, right? You know, because of the smell. That's all I'm saying.
1: Then, no, you're right, and uh, you know it just doesn't work as a joke when I say in the odorless methane lakes <laughs> with the hydrogen sulfide additives. <laughs> Ah. Yeah, that does work.:
2: <laughs> Well, it's about ninety two degrees Kelvin on Titan, so it'd be a cold swim for you. but wow. but my real question is, is there anything else swimming in those seas besides? you Nice.
1: Right. Well, it will be once I get out of the water) <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, what question do you have? All right, it let's it jump me. into it. And as we always do, we start with our Patreon, patrons questions, because they support us financially. So it's a whole like pay go-to
0: page on our website. Yes. That where you can and I I would it was a little mysterious to me for a long time, really? Patreon, because I thought, is this just another thing where they're just asking for money? But
1: you actually like no, there, are some, there are some kickbacks. No, the kickbacks at every level. Absolutely, so you're actually and buying you're, access. You're buying access to the program, just like um, you know, like for instance, if you were a Russian businessman and you wanted to, <laughs> I don't know, gain some influence. You know, it's the same type of deal. So um, yeah, there's two ways to support the show financially. Um, if you if you're so inclined, one is Patreon, mm-hmm. and the other is StartTalkAllAccess.com where we uh, have where we create all kinds of exclusive original content plus everything that we do, and the money goes back into what we do so that we Well, what it does manage.
0: is we, we use it to do innovative things that Absolutely. can't otherwise be can justified exactly. by the business model at that time. Absolutely. And so we can grow whole new branches.
1: And uh, that's what it's, it's That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing, it's, and it's It's working. It's working. And you put it so much better than mm-hmm. I gotta remember what you just said there, <laughs> because that's what it is. Yeah. So anyway, get, here's our Patreon question from Chris Ryu. Chris wants to know this. Hey, let's fast forward a decade, or even a few, and imagine a permanent Mars colony. Assuming that NASA was responsible what changes do you think there would be to the role of NASA globally? Would it perhaps take on a more worldwide role? Would it become maybe WASA? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Chris from the Atomic Club or the Atom Club in Strumenter, Newton, United Kingdom. Ooh.
2: Again. Well, first of all, I think before we actually have a colony on Mars, it's going to be a a little bit more than a decade or two, because those first journeys to Mars with humans, which will probably be in the early 2030s for an orbital mission, hopefully down onto the surface soon after that, to really— Soon after
0: you mean other missions? Yeah. So the mission that first goes into orbit is not gonna be the one that
2: lands. I don't think it'll be the one that lands because that entry, descent, and landing on Mars with humans is so is so hard because the Mars atmosphere is is so thin. So we're hoping to get humans down on the surface by the mid to late 2030s to really have people there for sustained long periods of time. I, I think we're maybe three or four decades away from that. But but it's already gonna be a worldwide. Effort. I don't know if I want to call it WASA, um, but, it, you know, already NASA is actually working. There's 16 space agencies that are working on this. How do we send humans beyond low Earth orbit? Space agencies in different countries. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the typical ones people have heard of may the European Space Agency, the Russian Space Agency, the Japanese Space Agency, but we've got uh, space agencies from South Korea, emerging space agencies from Africa who are participating. India in as well. Yeah. India. Um, so it already is a global effort. Not only that, I don't think it's just going to be a government effort. It's going to be public-private partnerships, and we already see things like SpaceX with Red Dragon sort of moving forward, though it's not clear what the exact timeline on Red Dragon is right now. But I think it's going to take kind of everybody participating to actually make it happen.
0: So are you saying that that first colony will not be NASA and American tax monies? It'll be a collaboration the way this questioner is asking.
2: I think it will be a collaboration, but I think there will be, I hope, America continues to lead. We've always led, but that doesn't mean we can't have partners. And Mm -hmm. so I hope we continue to lead. I hope there is a U.S. base on Mars eventually. And I think a lot of people do envision it sort of like Antarctica where there's a U.S. base, a British base, but I'm actually hoping we all live together internationally like we do up on the International Space Station. That's sort of the three in partnership. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I'm hopelessly, hopelessly optimistic. That a good, that's good. <laughs> eh?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's very wishful thinking there. Also, I, I, wanna, uh, I wanna differ with something you just said. Okay. Um, you said we've always led. But I think we only really led after maybe
2: 1968. Oh, good point. Yes. Because we weren't the first in space. They had Sputnik.
0: They had the first satellite. They had the first non-human animal. Mm -hmm. They had the first. Leica? Leica. Yeah, Leica. They had the first human. They had the first um, woman. woman. They had the first black person, a a Cuban. Uh, They had the first space station. They had, so...
2: First landings on Venus. Yeah, first
0: landings. They actually have the first photo of Earth rise on the moon, mm-hmm. which wasn't released till after our photo was... was so, so we were reactive to so much of what Russia did, we, we, leaving we, me to wonder that if Ru- Russia never went there whether we would have ever had a
2: space program in the first place. I, I think we may have eventually, but it would have come much slower. And so there's an interesting parallel going on with that right now as you see the rise of the Chinese space program. Right. A lot going on in China right now. They're getting ready to put their we space station off. We just need to in the
3: ass. So is know, it, is that's
2: what it takes <laughs> to get us to Mars, which gives back, reflects back to your first question about is NASA on the right track? We're on the right track to get humans to Mars, that whole plan I talked about. But it could easily go off the rails. And, and so in my mind, maybe it takes a little incentive by competing with foreign nations to keep us on track.
0: I like that train reference mm-hmm. with referencing
1: rockets. It might go off the rails. Right. <laughs> Which, by the way, if we can get a train to Mars, I'm there. That's, that's a great ride right there. <laughs> um, right, what else you got? All right, here we go. Um, hey, along the same line... Uh, this is Gunnar Kane uh, from Facebook says, do you think NASA will lose significant funding in the near future? Since we're talking about all these grandiose plans, uh, especially with competition. And if so, what will NASA, uh, w- what research will be halted first? And I would like to add to that, what are we doing in terms of public-private partnerships? Because if we're losing funding, are we, are we supplementing that in some way? Or is it when we pull funding away, that's the end of it? Programs just shut down.
2: Yeah, NASA hasn't been losing funding. Actually, over the last several years, our budget has gone up over the president's request and up. It's barely keeping pace with inflation, but it is going up when other lots of other parts of the federal budget are going down. And that's because NASA still continues to have huge bipartisan support in Congress. So
0: because mm. it has ten centers. Half of which are in blue states, the other half are in
1: red states. That's the way to do it. That's
0: the,
2: so so it continues it to, to mm-hmm. have a, a lot of support. What what again though the subtleties are I, for example, I testified in February before a congressional hearing on the on the future of NASA. And there was a lot of talk by some members about do we need to refocus NASA's budget? Do we need to focus NASA on what it should be doing? that's a bit of code for why is NASA doing earth science? And that's when I start to get worried. So it's not only the absolute number, it's how is that money spread around. And to me, NASA's earth science budget is an extremely important part. If we don't measure what's going on on this planet, we are not gonna understand it.
0: Because Earth, after all, is a planet.
2: It is a planet.
0: (laughs) Yes. In case you you
1: didn't know that. (laughs) We have time for one one more before we go to break. Okay, all right, okay. Let's make this very. Uh, let's make this interesting. Uh, Chad Thompson would like to know this. Could NASA be the precursor to something like the Star Trek Federation, mm. which is really kind of cool? Mm. I mean, now you you spoke to that kind of briefly, but is there a concerted effort to bring these agencies together globally?
2: There is. There's again, there's something called the Global Exploration Roadmap. You can Google it. All these space agencies, the heads of all the, the international space agencies, get together uh, several times a year and meet and say, What are we doing? How can we work together? How can we? You know, everybody's got limited resources, so it's better to work together. And so, you know, if you look at the space station, people have suggested it would, should be nominated for a peace prize you know it's literally higher ground where we can get along and to me if we can keep space in that realm the better off we're going to be
0: in fact, the space station is the greatest collaboration of nations outside of the waging of war
1: if oh look at the budget god that is so dis- isn't that discouraging interesting fact <laughs> i mean it's 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 heartening in one respect that we can get together and
0: do things. well other so there's the olympics there's the world cup Okay. And there's a space station. If you look at the budget that drives these, the space station is a greater budget and a greater sort of total investment. And uh, the only other time nations get together like that is to kill one another. Damn.
1: Yeah. Ugh. We are awful. You know that? Human beings, uh, you suck. (laughs) This is... is,
2: Except
1: for space. Except for space.
0: (laughs) This is why we should fear AI. Because when it achieves consciousness, it'll be clear to it that we just have n- no right to be alive at all. There you go. And it will be its first task.
1: Let me tell you something. I have no intelligence at all, and I still agree with that. <laughs> 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 We're done
0: with this segment. When we come back, more of our Cosmic Queries edition of Let's Make America Smart Again. See you in a moment. We're talking about the future of NASA in this edition of Let's Make America Smart Again. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've got my co host, Chuck Nice. Hey, hey. Tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. Thank you, sir. Yes. All right. And I've got with us, since we're talking about the future of NASA, we got somebody who has just been working for NASA for the last several years in the capacity of chief scientist. I've got Ellen Stofan here, Ellen. Hey, thanks nice for to come. be here. Not your first time on Star Talk.
2: Not my first time, but always happy to be here.
0: Excellent. Excellent. We love this. And so, uh, Chuck, you've been soliciting queries. Yes, I have. From uh, all over the, the Internet. The, about the future of NASA. So That's let's correct. see. And in this, again, the, our goal here is to imagine a smarter America going forward. Absolutely. So let's see. What do you have here?
1: All right. So Ana Jesus Uh, coming to us from Facebook, would like to know this. What is the main difference between NASA and SpaceX in terms of what they would like to achieve in space exploration in the near and far future? And uh, let me add to that, what is the chief purpose of NASA or what is NASA's mission statement
2: uh, well, I should be able to quote Nash's, NASA's mission statement from memory, but I but I can't, but it's basically to understand our world, our solar system, our universe, and to use technology to move humans beyond earth. that that is really if you want to sum it up, that's NASA's mission, exploration, knowledge. Uh, cool. so. SpaceX is a contractor to NASA. NASA has lots of of industry partners. SpaceX is one of them. They launch cargo up to the International Space Station. Starting next year, they'll launch crew up to the International Space Station from Florida. Um, So they're one of many contractors. Now, obviously, SpaceX has obviously stated that they want to see humans on Mars, NASA wants to see humans on Mars, so our goals are actually really aligned. And we have a partnership with SpaceX to help them land one of their Dragon capsules on Mars. Uh, And I'm excited because they've done a lot of work on entry, descent, and landing that will hopefully make it able for us to land humans sooner.
0: You said earlier that uh, one of the challenges is that Mars has a thin atmosphere. Could you detail why that's more of a challenge to EDL, entry, descent, land, than on Earth?
2: Uh, Our atmosphere is much denser. So if people haven't seen, there's a great video that uh, JPL put together before before the Curiosity rover landed called Seven Minutes of Terror. And it basically takes seven minutes when you're coming in from a trajectory from Earth to get from the top of the atmosphere to the surface. So you have to slow yourself way, 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 way down.
0: You've got good speed to get there. Yep. Now you've got to eat up that speed somehow.
2: Yeah. And, and, and to absorb that speed coming, the atmosphere is just not helping you very much, but it's heating you up, which is bad. So you've got to find some way to slow yourself down. So Curiosity weighed one metric ton, and we used a combination of. On uh, Earth. <laughs> <laughs> on Earth. Unless
0: that's the mass. what's it a mass of, yeah. uh, of a 1,000 kilograms? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: we used a heat shield, parachutes, this bizarre thing called a sky crane to land it on the surface. We estimate for hum- humans, you're going to need 20 to 40 metric tons landed on the surface. Um, and the more you can bunch that into single landings, the cheaper it is. So there's there's issues with that. So how are you going to slow yourself coming down? You're going to have to use something called supersonic retro propulsion, which basically means that (laughs) it it, it does because you're firing retro rockets while you're going at supersonic speeds, which causes all kinds of turbulence. Everything you're shooting up the back comes back at your spacecraft at supersonic speeds. So it's a crazy thing. SpaceX has actually been working on it.
0: Oh, that's right. So, so if you're moving supersonically and you try to put retro exhaust in front of you, you overtake the exhaust. <laughs> right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. That's so wild.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's wild.
2: Yeah, so wild. it's complicated to, mm. to say the least. So we roll just have work to do. down the window and stick
0: your hands out this slow <laughs> no. down.
2: No. So, it, and it's not that it's an insurmountable. Oh my gosh, we can't ever send humans to Mars. It's too hard, and and it frustrates me sometimes. I'll see commentary of saying, "Oh, we just need to stick at the moon. Mars is too hard." Mars is not too hard. We can figure it out. Yeah, yeah.
0: just any engineer would froth at the mouth to have the opportunity exactly. to solve these problems.
2: Exactly. And again, when you solve tough problems like that, you're you're stretching technology. You're stretching computational skills. You're patenting. You're patenting stuff. Yeah. You're you're spinning off stuff into our economy right here on Earth.
1: Cool. Give me another one. All right, here we go. This is uh, Jeff Sostaretz, and. Uh, Jeff says, uh, Chuck, you have butchered my name too more times. <laughs> um, I'd like to clear the record. It's sauce like spaghetti and Tourette's like the syndrome. Sauce Tourette's. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for phonetically uh, clarifying your name. Uh, here's what he wants to know. What is the average age and education of a NASA employee? Is the demographic getting younger or older over the years? So are we attracting people to NASA? By the way, we all saw the video of
0: the launch and return of the first stage in the SpaceX um, uh, uh, rocket. And you see mission control for SpaceX. There's nobody there over 30. There's Uh. one old fart who's 40 in the corner (laughs) looking around like this. Everybody else who's jumping and hooting and hollering? If they're 35, I'm... So they, that skews young. It looks to me,
2: it does skew young. And if you look at our NASA centers, which again we have nine NASA centers plus our federally funded research and development center, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, making FFRDC. ten uh, around the does country. It, that's, that's,
1: that's, is that how it yes. rolls? If you're in,
0: if you in, if you're in the loop, if you the FFRDC, <laughs> RDC, exactly. Right.
1: No, you still struggle. You still I, struggle. I, I, I almost, yeah. it almost yeah. rolled yeah. off. You is, know what I mean? It's <laughs> hard you know? to get
2: it to roll off. Yeah. But uh, I need to know more
1: about the FFRDC.
2: <laughs> the, the average age is about 52 Ouch. to 56, depending on the center. Now, part of that is because we have people who who don't want to leave. You know, they love what they do. They're still productive. We've had scientists who are still, you know, writing significant papers in their 80s. So that does tend to hurt your your Averages. statistics. Um, on the other hand, you know. I the, know it was
0: in the 60s, everyone just died at age 60. That was it. Well, it's kind of.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> we have people who don't like to retire. They the love ham what they do. Smoking,
1: that's <laughs> yep. A lot of smoking and a lot of ham <laughs> consumption. That was, ham was a big part ham of American, was American a diet. Big back part then. of American it, it diet. Every day. holiday, everything, lunch, everything. And everything. Yeah, and then when you didn't have ham, you had spam. Like <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> I told, but we're I told my like, son that spam was food. And he
2: said,
1: what, Danny? <laughs> what? Dad, you're eating emails that you don't want? What?
2: <laughs> We've also had periods of time where the federal government has hiring freezes on. And so and, and NASA downsized when the shuttle program ended. So all of that's combined to make the federal, our federal workforce older. And we need more younger people in there.
0: When you have a hiring freeze, but it applies to NASA, it's a brain freeze.
2: Nice. Is <laughs> that, good? that yes. good? Yes,
1: exactly. What do I, I get on B plus? I'm gonna give you a B plus uh, on C. that one. You, you said C. Yeah. Okay. B- <laughs> no, no, no. No, yeah. it's a brain, if, it's a brain it, freeze. It's a brain freeze. If it applies to NASA, it's a brain freeze because you're not you're not bringing in fresh fresh brain blood, All right? Right. Which means that those 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 resources are being allocated someplace else, most likely Wall Street.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. And but and, and the other thing is though, you really want that mix of ages yeah. because you know, we've got people who really know how to land on Mars. You, you know, we have people who know how to keep humans up in space safe. So you need that kind of wisdom and you need the fresh blood coming in that's gonna carry that forward. But you also so you need, need a culture
0: where fresh blood who is not biased by how you always did do it. Can be open to a new idea.
2: Exactly. And that, that need for innovation is something that uh, we worked on a lot over the last couple years at NASA. How do we ensure that we're the most innovative? As a 50-year-plus f- a- old agency, you really do worry about, are you being the most innovative? And NASA worries about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I know the age of NASA because it was founded the same week I was born.
2: 1958. So I, I, f- I feel the pain. Yeah, a lot of
0: people don't. I I feel...
1: <laughs> a lot of people don't know this,
0: but... He uh, feels
2: that lack of innovation. Yeah, whenever,
1: whenever Neil calls NASA, uh, the, the message is, I'm your father. So. <laughs> Brad um, Carrico uh, from Facebook would like to know this. Does NASA have a future solution to the growing space junk problem? So are you guys working on this? Ooh.
2: Uh, NASA is working on it. Wait, wait, where space junk come from. Um, space junk is because over the last fifty plus years, we put a lot of stuff up there. Um, some of it has broken up, so there are actually even like old stages of rockets, pieces of spacecraft. There's been and there was an occasion a couple years ago where two spacecraft ran into each other, um, and it created a whole lot more pieces of, of debris. So there's just a lot of stuff up there. Now, it, it slowly, slowly deorbits, but we do worry about it. A couple times a year, they have to move the International Space Station slightly to avoid space junk, other satellites. We have to watch when we launch things to say, is there anything else on the path? Now, space is big, so this isn't anything to panic over, but space agencies around the world and private companies are looking at how do we literally vacuum that stuff up? And people have, I've seen proposals I wait, back of... Back
0: up, back up. Wait, the space station is not a particularly nimble thing. No, it is not. And it's not even sort of structurally, I mean... This, um,
2: I, I like this.
1: But I mean, <laughs> <in> the, this <laughs> for you, those of you, we're do <laughs> doing a space station dance. No, so
0: <laughs> right now, my two man. arms are like the solar panels, right? right. Yeah. And it's yeah. Yeah. So, to
2: participate here.
0: <laughs> like if you push over here, this will like bend, but you're not going to push the whole. Th- I mean, so you're telling me they do avoidance maneuvers. With the International Space Station, they, so they don't they run do. into somebody's shoe or whatever piece of debris was <laughs> left in
2: space. They do, and they've even had rare occasions where they've realized there was debris approaching the space station, and they haven't had time because obviously to do a maneuver, you have to say you have to plan this out. This isn't something you mm. want to be like, oh yeah, let's move. Psh, you know, it's so, not the Millennium Falcon, who moved. right? No. So there have been times where the astronauts have actually retreated into the Soyuz capsule and waited out. Uh, a potential debris encounter, don't you love the way that's phrased, a potential debris encounter, right. something crashing into the space yes, station. Yes. Death, <laughs> yes. right.
0: so, NASA so they, for death.
2: <laughs> but it's avoided. I mean, the space station, if if you looked at it closely, it's got little pings and pockmarks all over it from little tiny pieces of debris hitting it at 17,000 miles an hour. Um, and so that creates little problems, but so far. But to get back <laughs> no to your question, yeah, yeah, no, problem. no problem. Seventeen
0: thousand mile an hour debris. Yeah,
2: that's all. But that's why it's getting old. And at some point, we will have to deorbit the space station. Right now, it's funded through about twenty four. By about twenty eight, this, for example, the two thousand twenty
0: four. Two thousand twenty
2: four. So by about two thousand twenty eight, a lot of the systems will be degrading, especially the solar panels, which right. are getting pinged by this micro debris all the time.
1: So when we deorbit that, does uh, the who puts a new one up there and when do we do that
2: you know that's a great question and so there's this big what is going to happen to low earth orbit after the space station is it going you know you know if you talk to nasa they would like it to be the commercial the private sector that moves in private space stations a place for you know private company, space companies blue origin spacex orbital atk let's find the private sector going Mm -hmm. going to low earth orbit
0: as imagined in the film 2001 Exactly. All, there was Howard Johnson's up there, Pan Am ran the shuttle. Pan Am for those of the younger of our
1: audience. Right. A former uh, airline company. It's the uh, it's the Virgin America before America was a Virgin. <laughs> okay, that's good. But, that's basically you know, what it was. Yeah.
2: yeah. If you really if you really get underneath that, NASA spends about 3 billion dollars a year on the International Space Station and if we want to send humans to Mars, we want to take that 3 billion dollars and start start building what will be the Mars transfer vehicle. What Humans will go in on that journey to Mars. If if they have to keep spending it on the space station, there's not going to be no money to go to go beyond low Earth orbit. Couldn't we just have
1: another three billion dollars? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's our look at it. That
2: would be a great solution, wouldn't it? Then we wouldn't have to worry about this. But as it is, there's not enough money to do both right now. There is not. So NASA's budget plans for moving humans to Mars count on the space station budget. Um, declining through the mid-2020s and zeroing out in the late 2020s.
1: So now, because, and okay, I'm sorry, I have to ask this. Since you were there, and this all sounds highly political to me because you're talking about budgetary issues, but isn't there a way to take the uh, billions of dollars that are going into Lockheed Martin's making a fighter jet that we do not need or... Banks that we are building that the government that the I'm sorry, the military has said we do not want them. But yet because it's a jobs program, we have to make them anyway. Couldn't we just find a way to shift this money over to NASA so that I mean, it, it, there, there's clearly inherent benefits and discovery and technological advances that will be be wrought from going to mars as opposed to a tank that we're never going to use because we're never going to fight conventional warfare again we now have nuclear wars anybody we're going to fight is going to have a nuclear warhead too so we're not going to do that so why can't we just find a way to politically get the senator or the congressman to say hey look we'll give you the money you just got to build whatever you're going to build over in my district chuck nice 2020
2: I was going to say, are you ready to go up there and uh, make America appreciate science more again? I can't remember your... Uh...
0: Make America smart again.
2: There yeah, we go. No, there anyway. we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what, what is the process at NASA
2: to talk to these people? Well, you know, NASA can't lobby congress that's not actually allowed um, so outside supporters can talk okay. to nasa uh,
1: i am flabbergasted nasa can't even advertise
2: uh, yeah oh, no that's not that's you not guys allowed. are
0: killing me are you kidding me Whoa, wait 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 wait, wait. Okay. So just to be clear um, what the military does when they have tv commercials during the super bowl is yeah. not ever, that's not technically marketing really? they're recruiting. No, are no. yeah they're recruiting <laughs>
2: Oh, so what happened was
0: when I was on one of my commissions, uh, uh, we were approached by an ad agency that wanted to create sort of public service spots for NASA to recruit. Right. To recruit scientists and engineers in the spirit of the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines recruiting. Right. And that way you can justify commercial time for it. And there's some of the most beautiful commercials I've ever seen. And it was just the, the, the tradition to do that is just not there. And, yeah.
1: That is so sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as if our government has stacked the deck against what we should be doing. No, but it, it, but it,
0: it sounds good the way it is, but imagine that in a limit where it's out of control. Yeah. Because all it says is, we taxpayers elect officials who then establish budgets for agencies. The agency can't then market itself.
2: To ask for more
0: budget. To ask for more budget. Okay, that makes sense. Because it's a completely external activity from it. I understand right. that. So that's that's that, that why. That makes sense. And while we all feel good that NASA should be able to do it, in the limit, you don't really want that happening okay, in government. You. That's right. all.
1: No, that makes sense. That's that, all. Because, I, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want the agriculture department doing the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you want just get... NASA to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I only want NASA to be able to do it.
0: <laughs> so we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, more cosmic queries in the Let's Make America Smart Again edition of Star Talk. We'll be back with Ellen Stofan, former chief scientist at NASA. Not the lowly scientist, we're we'll talking about Chief, The Chiefs when we return. Welcome back to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I serve as the director of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History, right here in New York City, if you didn't otherwise know that. In any case, I'm your personal astrophysicist. We've been talking with Ellen Stofen, former uh, chief scientist of NASA, very just former.
2: Just like, former. Like
0: minutes ago, practically. Uh, six months. <laughs> six right? months yeah, ago.
2: Six
0: minutes between. Uh, between, in uh, a cosmic scale, it's exactly. yesterday. And I got Chuck Nice, of course, doing cosmic queries. Yes. So we're thinking about the future of NASA in this Let's Make America Smart Again edition yes, we are. of Star Talk. So, what do you have?
1: All right. So, this is uh, L I, I think. L. I. okay? All right. Chuck. God. <laughs> I think these people are making these names up and just sending them Chuck. in to screw me, man.
2: All right, L. Not everybody can be named Chuck.
1: <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> true. Monosyllabic It's <and> super simple. <laughs> Chuck. Chuck. Um, anyway, um, who will get to Mars first? Who will get a human to Mars first? That's, that's all they want to know, is because clearly Earthlings. Uh, Earthlings. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. You but know, is, I, uh, has it, here's here's the real question, has it become like a space race? Have we started the space race again?
2: No, I don't think we have. And, and you know, again, I think people like to have a rhetoric around there being a space race, right. but, but I don't think there is. So for Mars, again, Mars is hard, it's not easy, it's not impossible, but it's hard. So I think when we get humans to Mars, you're going to see it, you're going to have people from multiple space agencies, you're going to have public-private partnerships involved. Now, you could turn that question around for the moon, and that, I think, is a valid question because there's a lot of talk about human bases on the moon, mm-hmm. commercial exploitation of the moon. And whether that happens or not, boy, I'm curious about that. Is, is it going to be China putting humans on the moon? Is it going to be Russia finally putting humans on the moon? Is it going to be a private company? Um, and I'm leaning towards a private company doing it. Uh, and so there, I, I think that's a, a debatable question. Mars, it's going to be an international coalition with hopefully Na- NASA taking the lead.
1: So does it help to, because everybody talks about a moon base, does it help us get to Mars? Is it easier for us to get to Mars from the moon than it is for us to get to Mars from here? So in other words, could, could, could the moon be a staging place to launch to go to Mars. It's a
2: great staging place because if you think about it, you're going to need a multiple module vehicle to get to Mars because you want to always have multiple modules in case something goes wrong with one of the modules. You can seal it off and still have a safe place to retreat to. So it's going to be something big that you're going to have to assemble on orbit. Why not do that out in orbit around the moon where you can use a Mars gravity or sorry, a lunar gravity assist to get you ready to go to Mars. So staging from lunar orbit Makes sense from a gravitational assist point of view, as well as just you're going to have to stage somewhere. Why not? Why not do it there?
0: Just to be clear, you're not talking <laughs> about staging from the lunar surface, which requires landing and then ascending yeah. once again.
2: Yeah, Stag- staging from the lunar surface really doesn't make any sense because it's different technology to land on the moon. Moon doesn't have an atmosphere, uh, so it's you'd have to develop all these technologies specifically to land on the moon. Because frankly, all those things we developed for Apollo are basically gone at this point. We'd have to sort of start all over again. So that's a whole lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's hilarious. <laughs> they clo- the close down the, the sound stage. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> right. so, so I agree with you, but for different reasons. I think okay. we need to remind ourselves what it is to leave low Earth orbit. And the moon becomes a very easy target that you can get to in a news cycle, right? Just, just a yeah. few days. How you doing? Good. You don't get bored with the trip. Every, they're there. How you doing? You land in four days. You come back for, for dinner Sunday night. And so this, I think we have to remind ourselves what that's like. Yeah. And without that, you just say, we haven't been out of low-earth orbit in 40 years. Now let's go to Mars. I, that doesn't sound wise to me. That's no.
2: all. It's not wise. and And it also takes us out into what we call a mixed-field radiation environment where we really don't have a lot of experience. You're getting... Solar radiation um, from the sun, and you're getting galactic cosmic radiation, and
0: normally shielded when we stay near to the Earth.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So to have a couple years out in that mixed field radiation environment, where we can do some experiments with tissues, with cells, with model organisms like fruit flies, mm-hmm. to make sure let's make sure we really understand the effects. Before we send humans all the way to Mars, eight months exposed to that radiation on the way there, eight months on the way back.
1: Right, yeah.
0: So it reminds me of a joke by Dick Gregory that he told back in the 60s. Back in the 60s. It was hilarious. (laughs) On the point of what effect does this radiation have on on biological tissue? Right. He said when the chimp came back from space right, and everyone was cheering. Right. And they said, no, I wasn't cheering because I know... That, that was an actual astronaut they set up. That's what happened when you go into yeah, space. Exactly. You come about <laughs> looking like a chimp. <laughs>
2: well, I was, you know, when we first sent things up into space, we had no idea what the effects would be. After all this experience on the space station, we now know, and we've worked on the ISS. You know, people say, What are those astronauts doing up there? They're actually helping us find ways to keep humans healthy on, for that journey to Mars, the journey back to Mars but the one thing we still have a lot of worries about is this radiation, radiation issue and and it's not it's not something we can't we can't work with but we still need to know more about it right
0: yeah and you know? to the people who say oh we will never go to mars because of the radiation all I'm going to say is mars is not as big of a challenge to us today as the moon was in 1960 exactly wow right. think about that yeah yeah
1: that's true cuz we went to the moon Basically, with uh, the computing power of a, uh, a Texas Instrument calculator. No, less than that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was making
2: a that. joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah.
1: I, was, I was for real. I think it's like like the a singing
0: greeting card or something. You're kidding? Yeah, it's me. pretty. No,
2: someone was saying the other day. I this flipped me out that the Voyager spacecraft has about as much computer smarts as something in your pocket, your car key. No. <laughs> Because everyone yeah. instantly thinks yourself it's your cell phone. phone. Your yeah. cell right, but it's your, your car, car, key. car
1: key. You're kidding me. The key fob on your, of your car. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> now, that is fascinating. That is mind-blowing right yeah. there. All right, here's um, uh, John Cates from Facebook. Thank you, John, for having a simple name. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> He's just helping you out. Exactly, right. I'm sorry. Sure he
2: changed for, his name. He, just he
1: changed his name just, just for me. me. Uh, John wants to know this. Does NASA have any space-capable drones?
2: Space capable drones. These would don't. be
0: drone rockets, I guess, drone rockets. Drone all drones rockets. we know all, of require air for buoyancy.
2: Right, and all our spacecraft are robotically controlled, so, there were so they're anyway. all kind of drones anyway. Okay. No, most answer. of what we do is robotically remotely controlled.
1: So pretty much all of NASA is space capable drones. So drone is the
0: is everyone else's first encounter with a remote controlled. Autonomous right. thing.
2: Now, what he may be asking about, and I'm going to make his question into maybe not the question he wanted, was uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory is working on a helicopter for Mars that you can think of as being like a drone that would, would fly here on Earth. And a group from the Applied Physics Lab has has proposed to one of the NASA mission programs to send a, basically a quadcopter to Titan, Saturn's moon. So people have been proposing to use drone like, you know, what we would think of for drones here in Earth's atmosphere to go explore planets with atmosphere.
0: Yeah, but if you, but if you send a remote control helicopter to Mars, first it would need really big rotor blades because the, the, the so atmosphere thin. is so thin. But now you want to remote control it. You got issues. What are the issues?
2: The big issue is there's about a twenty it depends on how far away Earth and Mars are, but you have an inherent relative to each other. To each other but we have an inherent up to kind of twenty minute to a half hour. One-way trip time for a command. So you send a command. Yeah, it's just nothing can be done about it. I have audiences all the time saying, "Can you fix that?" Um, (laughs) No. And then they'll say, "No, really? Can't you fix it?" (laughs) No. It's called the speed of light. No, I can't fix that. It's the law. law. Exactly. Exactly. Can't fix that. So you have to have basically computer program sequences to command it. There's no real-time joysticking.
1: And this is where AI comes into play because you would have to equip the drone with the capability of recognizing terrain and situations and then be capable of making decisions on its own.
0: Exactly. AI gets to Mars and you say, um, uh, do you need my help? No, we got this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because
2: they're they're really We good.
0: We good. (laughs) We
2: good. good. (laughs) So think of it for humans because now all of a sudden, Houston, we have a problem and you're going to wait 20 minutes and you'll hear back, what? Or, right. you know, can you clarify? You, you, there's, no, there's none of that. Right. So you really do need AI. You need friendly, well, friendly how, Hal. Be twice I be 20 it. minutes, right? Yeah, so, yeah. It's
1: 20 minutes there, 20 minutes. So it's a 45 yeah. minute. So, so basically, AI is, Houston, we had a problem, but it's all taken care of. Yeah, yeah, we solved it. it. And, we solved exactly,
2: it. exactly. And and just think of that, though, on the other side for human mental health. But you haven't seen your family in seven months, and you, you call your spouse, and you say, honey, how are you doing? And 20, 20 minutes later, you hear or sorry, 40 minutes later, you hear, what?
1: (laughs) Oh no, that's my marriage right now. (laughs) I'm about, I ain't got to wait to go to Mars. That's <laughs> yeah. called my household every morning. <laughs> so there's no witty repartee when you're They're traveling to in, the depths of space. not ignoring you.
2: They're just yeah. focused on something else.
1: And there is nothing. <laughs> there, right. And, and like you say, that's the speed of light. So there, there is no subspace communication. That's why people ask you, can you fix it? They're all Star Trek fans like myself. Yeah. And they want to know, how do I get subspace communications where I can talk to somebody in real time right, right. across the galaxy? There's no episode of Star Trek. Where there's a time delay between
0: communication. Exactly. No,
2: there's not. Right.
1: right. right. Okay. Yeah,
2: that always makes me. Did we
1: get time for like one more question. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. All right. With all the buzz about Mars, because we've been talking about it, Europa and Enceladus, doesn't ask have any interest in looking towards the inner planets like Mercury or Venus? And I know you used to study Venus.
2: Oh man, yeah, Dr. Funky Spoon and I are our old Venus. Funky Spoon, pals. one of
0: our our, our oh, Star Mars. Talk All Stars. Right.
2: Um, so Venus is the Earth gone bad. A lot of the times we refer to it as the Earth's evil twin. Nice. So made of about the same nice. material. What's wrong
1: with you? I just fell in love with Venus. <laughs> it's like Venus is the Earth gone bad you stay with these.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i love these. <laughs> I, I can't stay you away. can't stay
2: away. you sound like david <laughs> <laughs> so the the problem is here you've got this planet that again started out in about the same place in the solar system made of the same stuff it's like you put two chocolate cake mixes in the oven and one came out chocolate and one came out lemon in the end Now, this is important because you could say, well, who cares that Venus went down this alternate path where it's 900 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface, there's a runaway greenhouse. Well, we're starting, you know, in the last couple years, we found over 3,000 planets around other stars with our Kepler space telescope. And what we're looking for is Earth 2.0, this habitable planet around another star. So this makes us even more curious about Venus. You had kind of multiple chances in our solar system at habitable planets. Only the Earth was able to maintain long term habitability. Venus might have had an early ocean, lost it, all the its CO2 is in its atmosphere, um, it has a runaway greenhouse. Why? How hard is it to make Earth 2.0? Venus can help us figure that out. Oh, Amen. That's
1: pretty damn cool, I gotta say.
2: God! Venus is way cool. It's the ignored planet of our solar system. Not love me some Venus.
1: It's beautiful (laughs) in the evening and morning sky. It is. Jason De Guzman wants to know this. What NASA project that is canceled that you wish Would be revived. Damn good question, Jason.
2: Easy, easy. easy. My Titan boat proposal, I propose to send a a floating probe to a sea at the north pole of one of Saturn's moons to find out, is there anything living in that alien sea? Someday it will fly. This
0: is an ocean of liquid methane. Exactly. Uh, Methane, the gas that comes out of a, a, a household stove. Okay, uh, and if, if you say so, <laughs> <laughs> comes out of other uh, places. But,
1: other but we'll go with stove. <laughs> we'll go with stove. We'll go with stove.
0: <laughs> in the in the suburbs, it might be propane, but typically in cities, it's methane. Okay, uh, the simplest of the hydrocarbons, if I if I remember correctly, CH four, CH four, and it's got an H in four directions. It's a beautiful molecule, actually. Only you
1: would see, <laughs> Only see this, this is when I know I am hanging with Neil deGrasse Grass <laughs> yes. Now that's a beautiful model. I must say. Then he turns the side he turns the uh, magazine long ways and pulls down another panel. And it's like, oh look at that CH four. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um,
0: but it's normally it, it's gaseous in our lives, but if you drop the temperature, you liquefy it. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and so...
2: So it's basically seas of liquid gasoline, and totally exotic, very cold. We don't know if there could be life. It wouldn't probably be life like life here on Earth. Because
0: maybe life doesn't require liquid water. Maybe it just requires liquid. liquid.
2: Yeah, and Titan's the place to go to answer that question. Sweet.
0: Sweet. Sweet. So it got, wait, but it got canceled, so...
2: It didn't get selected. We were one of the final three missions for a discovery selection and they instead picked a mission to Mars called the Insight, which will launch uh, next year, which will okay. land a seismometer on the surface. So
0: it's, it's, it's still out. I mean the idea is still floating.
2: The idea ah, The idea is still floating. The problem is uh, complicated, but it's basically dark at Titan's poles during Titan winter and the sea the big seas are all at the North Pole. It'll be dark at the North Pole from about the mid-2020s to the early 2030s, so there's no point in going in the dark. So you
0: lost your window. We
2: lost our window. Yeah, okay.
0: Aww. All right. Oh, well.
2: <laughs> Don't keep, oh, well. It's still going to be there. <laughs> it'll be there. <laughs> it'll be there. Yeah, I'll be too old, but, you know, it'll be there. Well, that's all right. That's but what...
1: we'll know it was your dream when it happens. Yeah, exactly.
0: And if we continue to train the next generation of people to become scientists and engineers or, as a minimum, to embrace what scientists and engineers do, then this is a recipe to assure that America will become smart once again. Yes.
1: Well, let's let's please hope. That's no, no,
0: no, hope. Hope is what you have when you've confessed you have no impact on the outcome. Why right. Well, there you. Have. A, that's a, no, that's very good. Right. 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 Exactly. Okay. right, Right. Hope and prayer. That's what you do when you're not in control. Exactly. Okay. So I'm saying. Let's get in control. Then, no, you don't have to hope. You don't have to pray. There you go.
2: And when you look at all the people who've been shut out of STEM for so long Mm. and that if we now can get those kids involved in STEM, we're going to have a much larger, more innovative, more creative STEM workforce than we've ever had before.
0: Science, technology, engineering, and math. There you go. You got it. STEM. You've been watching and possibly only listening to Talk. Let's Make America Smart Again edition with Cosmic Queries. And I've had Ellen Stolfman. Thank you, Ellen, multiple great times on here. Star Talk. And always great to have you. Get your insider insights into the past, present, and future of NASA. This is Star Talk. Welcome, I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and today we're gonna talk about interstellar space travel and what it's like to settle on an exoplanet. And we're inspired by the YouTube series Origin, which does just that, except they have a badass planet that they go to. But anyhow, to think about this problem meaningfully, we have Shana Gifford. Shana, welcome!
3: Thank you, Neil!
0: Yes! an astronaut on Earth, uh, who who actually uh, experimented under conditions that would resemble a colony settlement on Mars,
3: potentially, potentially. Although hopefully with more people, this with time.
0: more people than just a few that you did. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll make sure I introduce Chuck. Nice. Hey, that's right. Thanks yeah. for coming, Chuck. Always a pleasure to be here. So yeah,
1: we think about things meaningfully with uh, Shana, and we think about things frivolously with <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> with Chuck.
0: <laughs> so Shana is our. Uh, lever of gravity. Mm-hmm. Chuck is our lever of levity. Oh, gravity,
3: only levity, you levity. can make me
0: <laughs> sound that poetic.
3: <laughs> but like you're it. the fulcrum. You're in the wrong spot. Oh, you know? you need be the right fulcrum here. between oh, the gravity and the levity.
0: Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure we explore what it is to survive long space voyages. What mm-hmm. is it to? Do you bring stuff to your planet? Do you use the resources? What's it like to survive there? Physically, emotionally,
3: psychologically.
0: Psychologically, mm. yeah. All it's out of my
3: head—it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, crowded, man. I'm staying here. Uh, all,
0: all of this. Um, so, so tell me about High Seas Four. What, what is that? I High see Seas, your patch. It's right there. Yes, mm-hmm. one of the.
3: This is a beautiful patch designed by my very talented crewmate Tristan. It, it, is, beautiful.
0: it is beautiful. It is. Mm-hmm.
3: It is gorgeous. Uh, the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation.
0: And I see the flags of participating countries. Indeed. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the UK, I guess, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. United States.
3: Mm-hmm. Is France that, and Germany.
0: France and Germany. Very mm. nice. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So so what, what, what happened there?
3: Well, I'll tell you what didn't happen. Did you
0: survive? Did you die?
3: We didn't die. <laughs> That's exactly what did not happen. Importantly. The same six people came out as went in. That, that, Very the important. The same six. The same six.
1: Worst you know. Thunderdome ever. <laughs> six people <laughs> enter. Six same people same leave. six, Well, <laughs> like,
0: Wait. Uh, they say uh, um, uh, one of my favorite Dick Gregory jokes mm-hmm. back in the 60s when the space program was first coming along. Uh, One of the Mercury capsules came back with the chimp. Right. And he said, what NASA wasn't telling anybody is that that went up as an astronaut. (laughs) Came back as a chimp. Uh So six humans go in, six humans come out. Very good to know. Right. Okay, so what else happened? The same six. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And where was this? On the slopes of Mount Aloha, a sacred volcano on the big island of Hawaii.
0: And is that one of those slopes that's very rocky and it looks like the surface of Mars?
3: Quite a lot, yes. So tell me about the challenges. Of being locked in a dome with five other people, seeing no one else for a year, speaking to no one else for a year.
1: Sounds like a pretty cool reality show (laughs) to (laughs) me. Let's see what happens when we put five people in a biosphere and see when they get real.
3: (laughs) Pretty much from minute two. Minute one, it was really quiet. Mm. Minute two, the dance party started. Cool. And so mm-hmm. what happened?
1: Yeah.
0: So, so, so you I, is all the food? You have to grow your own food or, or is We did a
3: little hatch? bit of that. There was the, not enough space to grow did food. Did
0: the Cheetos come in through a through a hatch?
3: Please, Pringles. Pringles. <laughs> 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 yes, you know, space is at a premium in space. Sadly, we did not have enough space to grow all our own food. Oh. I actually cultured it. I made the uh, cheese and the yogurt.
0: Nice. So mm-hmm. that means you brought in bacteria. We did. You were not alone. There were six we were, of you. We plus, were
3: very were, much not alone. Plus billions, billions of bacteria. Of bacteria. Yeah. Plus everything that was in the bathrooms. Ooh. Trillions, Trillions. of bacteria. Okay. Mm-hmm. All
1: right. Sounds mm-hmm. like you guys needed a maid.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is where artificial intelligence comes in. No sentient being <laughs> and wants and to some, clean those bathrooms. Some for <laughs> <laughs> Indeed.
0: <laughs> so this was to simulate what? what? What are you trying to do there?
3: Life on Mars. Part of the 21 month round trip. You're going to go there for nine months. You're going to spend some time. You spend nine months coming back.
0: Okay, but you still have Earth gravity. So you're really simulating a trip anywhere. Of that length,
3: well, anywhere of that length with Earth gravity and Earth air pressure, but the air pressure and the gravity were beside the point. Mm-hmm. The point was how did we psychologically deal with the isolation and the confinement? That was the point. So
1: now, for the mm-hmm. for the entire experiment here on the on the slope of this volcano, mm-hmm. you, the, the people were alone, like they never had any outside contact. Just
3: us. Anytime we wanted to call home, phone home, twenty minute delay. On the way to home 20 minute delay on the way back world's most boring Skype conversation yeah, yeah,
0: no, no witty repartee wow yeah the, so the light travel time mm-hmm. right
1: so you can't be in love like you know
0: oh,
3: I no, love no. you
1: no I love you
3: oh 40 that minutes that later. was actually me and, no, that, I love that, you. that was me and my husband for 366 days no I love you more no <laughs> <laughs> the next day no
0: so they artificially put in the time delay that mm-hmm. you would experience being on Mars
3: you would experience kind of at the longest 2022 20, minutes is the long well technically infinite is the longest when Mars goes on the other side of the sun and blacks out for a little while, but Mm. the longest you would functionally have would be around 20 minutes.
0: Right, so really you got, Mm -hmm. for for any meaningful, uh, uh, intense conversation, Mm is with your other five uh, folk.
3: Well, my husband and I did our best with video. You do your best, Video. but okay. yeah, with the, the the true life experience. Don't go there, Chuck. No, Chuck. 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 No, Chuck. No, Chuck. no. No. <laughs> no. No. Nope. Come down, Chuck.
1: All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me. You are killing me. Okay. <laughs> so,
0: so let's get back to the interpersonal psychological dimension sure. of this. Sure. Sure. So, did people start going crazy after a
1: while? How how long was this episode?
3: Three hundred and sixty-six day long episode. Okay. Wow. Mm. So
1: mm-hmm. in origin. What is more important when you compare it to your experiment? More important to have people get along or like in terms of personality meshing mm. or to have something to do because they were trying to solve a mystery. So everybody right. was focused on this mystery that mm. they had to solve. So it's
0: no longer interpersonal. It's just a common other goal. Exactly. Right.
1: We yeah. all have a goal now. Is mm-hmm. What's more important? Is it better to have people that personality-wise get along or mm-hmm. better to keep everybody
3: busy? Well, I think the mission – Makes people get along You know One drives the other So you're all there With a common goal Makes things happen The common goal Survive Solve the mystery Whatever interpersonal stuff You had going on before that Tends to fade away Because you got to Solve the mystery
1: Interesting
3: Got to get in the kitchen
0: So that's a A restoring force Mm -hmm. To the interpersonal dynamic It's a catalyzing
3: force Catalyzing Mm -hmm. Very nice A sustaining force Because
0: you have a common enemy The common enemy Is the things that wants To kill you all
3: That would be space Yeah And everything in it. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta tell you, you are not a good advertiser for interstellar travel. (laughs) Only the strong, Chuck. Okay, Okay. Only the strong. Antarctica. That you know, it's not it's not giving you a warm hug, right? Right. You're rolling in there with your tools and your homies. You're making it happen.
1: See, I'm going to interstellar travel when they have a W that as doubles as a spaceship, and you <laughs> w up, hotel a W hotel yeah. that doubles as a spaceship,
3: and you wake up at noon and have pancakes. Chuck is going to space only when room service, when is, room available. service is available. Bigelow is building a hotel for you, Chuck.
0: So these distances are quite large. Uh, so, if I understand, is Theia five light years five from Five light
1: years from Earth.
0: Yeah. So, if you go at the speed of the very fastest spaceships we've ever launched, mm-hmm. uh, it would take you 70,000 years to get there. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so, it is incommensurate with human physiology. Okay. So-, so, so let's try to go faster now. So, right. so tell me about solar sails. Solar, uh,
3: solar s- sails will look great when you're near a star. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's when you're the, the solar comes in. Yes. On the, on the, on the, and this. the interstellar bit it can get a bit hairy you might want some other form of propulsion along for the ride
0: or you'd have to be really fertile right because you'd be procreating as yes. you go right right, right.
3: yeah you uh,
0: now two th- I'd be pissed off if I were born and they said you're just here to carry on to the till that's you die. Right. So You're that's right. Your
3: generation number twenty. <laughs> I know. And what? we're going to generation I'd be five thousand. If I learn
1: that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurting somebody on the ship. Wait a minute. You mean I'm a placeholder? <laughs> that's right. Until we get where we're going.
3: You're a cog in the machine right. Right.
0: until someone else gets where this is supposed to go. Right. Yeah. So these
1: are challenges.
3: They are. So let me ask Major. you this then. Mm-hmm.
1: So they were using solar sails, and they also had some kind of propulsion system. Definitely. As well. mm-hmm. um, but. What if you were that, that propulsion system got you towards or close to the speed of light?
3: Okay, okay, okay.
1: and then if, now you're just looking at basically five years. But would you still not age at that at that point? Yeah, you have that- to
0: do, if you do the math, it's five years for us watching you go there,
1: mm-hmm. but it's
0: not five years for you. Okay, it's, it's much less time. Than much
1: less time. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: depending on how close to the speed of light you hit. Uh, you go 90% the speed of light. I'd have to run the math, but you could end up living three years or two years rather than five. Gotcha. So, and you do it at near the speed of light, it takes you a couple hours. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, but the problem is, by the time you come back, you know, you're maybe a year older and everyone else is 20 years older or 30 years old and everyone would have forgotten about you. So, we also care that the planet is in a Goldilocks zone. It is. Mm -hmm. And... But you don't have to actually be in a Goldilocks zone. True. Okay? Be- Goldilocks zone where you're not too close to the sun and to the not sun, too far your away. Water evaporates, not too far away, it freezes. Because a programmed greenhouse effect okay. can heat your planet even though you would otherwise be farther away than the Goldilocks zone. You trap your heat. The Goldilocks zone is a calculation. Right. Assuming that you sort of radiate all the energy that hits you. Right. but if you trap some of that energy you can boost mm-hmm. your temperature a little
1: higher right yeah. so, okay yeah. so you wouldn't it, you don't have to exactly be in the in the space that yeah, it's is a nice just ref, right it's, it's a, a reference point. it's a right. reference standard right. gotcha. yeah there,
3: there's a buffer on on either side yeah. Yeah.
1: right yeah. so now here's the thing this Thea, the which is the planet right mm-hmm. is um I I would say think of um
3: think of Fiji Or Tahiti. It's the Caribbean. It's the Caribbean. Of the extrasolar planet. Of the extrasolar
1: Mm. planet. Mm. It's the Caribbean exoplanet. Mm. All right? Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. So, like, uh, where would that be in the Goldilocks zone? Or would it make a difference? Smack (laughs) dab.
0: But what what you also want to know is, it's one thing for a planet to be there, but other things affect your climate. Like, what is the tip of the axis Mm -hmm. of the planet? What is the shape of the orbit? Mm-hmm. How, does right. it spend time very close to the host star, very far away? Mm-hmm. So how elliptical is the orbit? All of this factors in. When you factor all that in for Earth, you get ice ages.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. It's called mm-hmm. the Milankovitch. The Man- that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. so uh, in fact, civilization on Earth, as we've come to know it and love it, rose up at relatively stable climactic uh, conduct right. for, for Earth over the last 10,000 years. Relatively stable. Mm-hmm. That had been an ice age the whole time.
1: But but yeah. but but we you know that that means nothing for us. We're human beings. We don't care. You know. What
0: I mean? <laughs> it, it,
1: it, we kill something and put it around our bodies and say, all right, forget winter.
0: So, so here's the thing. Here's here's what I can imagine a future. Here's the future I want. You ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the exoplanet is. You just bring in the machines that terraform it, mm-hmm. whatever the hell
3: you want it to be. You mm-hmm. want the Caribbean? There it is. You got the Caribbean. You got the Caribbean. You like New York City?
0: You, got, you want New York? Make it New York. The, the climate, or the, you want the Sahara because you want to, like, you know, make it the Sahara. And what would be cool is if you could do that on a short time scale. So then your planet is your playpen. <laughs>
3: nice. You want tailor made universe. Tailor
0: made planets.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm liking it now. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very cool. So let's go, and, let's go into business. <laughs> yeah, gonna say, that's right. it. We'll we we leave start this life of. Forget the holodeck from Star Trek. We get the real deck, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to leave this life of science and crime and go <laughs> make planets. <laughs>
0: So, uh, solar sails can they get you there in a short amount of time? Their acceleration is not very.
3: They'll help bad. you speed up and possibly slow down, but they they alone will not get you there in a short amount of time. No.
0: Right. It takes a long time to speed up.
3: What it? you could do is is put out your solar sail and then use lasers to to speed up, the way that the Starshot program wants to do.
0: Nice. Yeah, but the lasers can't be on your ship, otherwise. They
3: no, they, these would be exactly. fired from Earth or Moon exactly. or, or some something. Like I saw else. a
0: cartoon when I was a kid, and the, the just the character was in a sailboat. Mm-hmm. And the sailboat wasn't going anywhere, so he just pulled out a fan right. and then, boom. <laughs> and I thought to myself, "No, I, I'm, even though I hadn't taken physics yet, right. I said something's not that right just, there. Yeah. can right. If that would, if that could
3: work, yeah. Holy, whoa!
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, if, if that could work, well, the world would have been discovered a long time. <laughs> ago.
3: There is, there is, a, there is a slight version of that that might work. If you, if as you're going through space, you pull matter in the front of your ship and spit it out the back, that will oh, also-
1: That's a warp engine though, right? That's, called, oh, that's
3: No. Yeah, that's space. propulsion. and time. Space and time is warp. You pull yeah. matter in the front, you stick it out the back, and so yeah. Use what you find, in-situ resource utilization. Oh,
0: so tell me about that now. So oh. uh, ISRU, mm-hmm.
3: uh,
0: you can't guarantee that every planet's gonna have everything you need.
3: No. So you gotta that, bring
0: the Cheetos with you.
3: You definitely don't wanna leave home without those. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> so you have to be picky as you pick your planet.
3: Make sure there's water. You need to breathe, you need uh, You need fuel, Oxygen. And you need H2O. to feed the plants. Yeah, it's a good starting point.
0: H2O and O2. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's a, a good starting
3: point. At a bare point minimum. <laughs> Plus, anything you can put in a 3D printer that will make more stuff, that stuff is good, too. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So, here's how you do it. You'd rank your needs based on how quickly you would die without it.
3: So, that's right? a good, right. oh, I like so, that. So,
0: oxygen, you're dead in 10 minutes. Okay, we need so that. You need that. That's number uh, one. Water, you're dead in a week. Okay, okay. Right. Well, I'm going to make that number two. Food, you're dead in a month or okay. two months. All right. Right, unless you were really fat and then you just sort of worked <laughs> that Kinda down. eat,
1: eat. right. <clears throat> hey, I'm down to my target weight. Thank goodness. <laughs> this trip has been very successful.
0: <laughs> so it seems to me that's how you might uh, prioritize that.
3: You might. You also just might prioritize where you can talk back to earth from. I mean, do you want to go away and never speak to anyone you've ever known again?
1: I like that.
0: Yes. You,
3: you do. Yeah. You, that's one of your major, major motivating <laughs> so factors. The strip. <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah, I mean, closer the better, right?
0: Uh, I suppose, but that's if. But I would think people who want to leave don't want to come back and don't care about who they left behind. When I think of the European explorers and. The pilgrims. Pilgrims. That, did they care what the hell was going back? I don't, back at home? I don't think so. I
3: mean, I think. I many think, of them
0: were persecuted. They just got the hell out.
3: Many of them, including people to whom I was related. I think actually the point was to go make a place better and habitable for the people you loved and left behind and bring them to. I mean, oh, that's. The,
1: the good old immigrant
3: model. I was going wow. to say. Yeah.
1: We, we call that America
3: <laughs> We do And, and, and wh- who, wh- who make the best colonists really are, are people who can go a long distance Happy with not a lot of stuff Work really hard for not a lot of money Make life comfortable on not a lot right. So those are the space colonists you want and that's the point. There's a difference between astronauts who are professionals who function in a very highly regulated environment, and we are trained to function in just that environment, and colonists who are there to build a world.
0: And they have to function in any environment that gets thrown at them.
3: Correct. <sighs> yes.
0: We got to end it there. Whoa. This is good. This mm-hmm. is serious. I like this. Mm-hmm. Can we like bring you back again for some stuff?
1: Twist my arm, Chuck. I'm twisting it. Right. Oh, <laughs> very okay.
0: cool. I love talking to people who like try to like live in space because space kills you. <laughs> 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 anyway, this has been Star Talk, and I've been your host Neil deGrasse Tyson. Thanks to Shana Gifford. Thank you. Thank you Good, Chuck. Nice. Always a pleasure, as always. And I bid you to keep looking up.